We're going to be joined by a very special guest. Do you want to introduce him? Uh, he is the co-host of podcasts that you may love, like Accidental Ted Podcasts, or podcasts you may have heard of and not understood, like Robot or Not. It's John Syracuse. Hello. Hi, John. <laughs> hey, John. How you doing? I'm in a little square. I'm heavily cropped. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to everyone, yeah, eventually. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Eventually you get cropped. We're, we're, we're widescreen and you're uh, vertical. It's yeah. just how yeah. it has to be. Yeah, you're the, the video format of the youth. <laughs> oh, that had to be vertical. It's true. Doing a dance. It's true. So uh, I have in front of me Jason Snell's iPad. And there's a lot of interesting things on here we could talk about. But what I, <laughs> <laughs> what I want to talk about... You should put a password on the hidden photos. <laughs> uh, this uh, is a list of robot or not topics that y'all have not gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. And I've got a few to pick from. And we're just going to see how this goes. Okay. Okay. So if you're not familiar with Robot or Not, uh, John, do you want to give the pitch for the show? Oh, it's, it's really confusing. But uh, <laughs> in the beginning, we were deciding whether something was or wasn't a robot uh, for reasons that make sense if you listen to the very first episode of the podcast. The episodes are like, I don't know, five minutes long, ten minutes long. Sometimes we go shorter, sometimes we go longer. So they're little bite-sized things. But we, uh, I guess, moved on from saying whether things are robots or not, and now we just talk about things, the definitions of things. Is X a Y? What is this? Uh, you'll see. You'll, you'll get the gist of it as we go through these items. You'll see that there's nothing really connecting them at all anymore. Uh, every, every once in a while, we get a question about a robot again, but that's rare. Yeah, we did 100 episodes just about robots, Yeah, and uh, we had exhausted all of the you, you ran out of robots. I mean, I don't think we exhausted it, but we, we did a good survey of the field. Yeah. That's good. Uh, there's no robots on the list today, but I want to start with a question from listener Miles. Okay. Miles wrote, bread is cooked, so what makes it toast? Cooking it again. Does it have to be cooked in a toaster? Can you bake it in an oven? Are there other types of bread that can never be toast, like flatbread or pita? I think the key thing with toast is you're taking the bread item. Like when you cook bread, there's an outside that cooks and it's usually a darker color than the inside, right? But when you make toast, you're usually cutting the bread again, exposing the part that wasn't directly exposed to the heat during the baking process. And then you're heating that part, which never got direct heat before because it was on the inside of the bread. And it's that second cooking process where you're exposing parts that weren't previously exposed that makes it toast. If you just take a loaf of bread out of the oven, let it cool for a day, stick the loaf of bread back in the oven until the outside gets darker, that's not toast. That's just a burnt loaf of bread. You see why, <laughs> why he does the show? Yeah. No, that was, I'm, John, I'm that fan. was real good. That was like very high level um, defining of a topic now. Although I want to I ask about like method. Does it matter? What is exposing it? If I if I put some sliced bread in the oven um, and it browns up, I assume we would call that toast? I forget. There's a difference when you heat things. There's like, I forget the words, but it's like radiant heat versus some other heat. It's like basically, is the are infrared rays from the heating elements in your oven directly hitting it, or is it just because it's next to hot air? And I think for toast, you need whatever the one is called where the infrared rays from the heating element directly hit it and not just being next mm. to hot air. You think they'd be the same thing. It's like, isn't it just the warm air that, that toasts it? But no, it's not. There's also the direct, like basically if you if you put a piece of tinfoil over bread, but it was in an oven and the air temperature in the oven was the same, it wouldn't toast because it needs the, I think it's called radiant heat mm-hmm. from the heating elements. Mm. That's what you need. I have okay. a follow-up if, if, if I'm allowed to use yeah. that term. Please do. 
See, that's a different context. Different. See, we would talk about this on, <laughs> on Robot or Not. Different context. Sometimes you can use words in different contexts. See, what I thought about when I thought about the way that bread could or could not become toast is a toaster generally has heat coming from both sides, mm-hmm. where a toaster oven or a regular oven, it could just be the top or bottom depending on the setting it's on or how it works. So to me, it feels like the, the equal heat on both sides is important. Oh, ovens and toaster ovens both also have equal heat on both sides. I mean, you, you, if you put it under the broiler, I suppose, but you can also just do one side in a, in a slot toaster too. I don't, I don't think the side. Yeah, that's the bagel the setting. Is relevant. And a bagel, a toasted bagel is still. Yeah, the bagel setting does both sides, but then does the top longer mm-hmm. and higher at the end, mm-hmm. but it still does the bottom a little bit. Okay, I'm not sure my slot toaster works that way. John, is a crouton toast? I think we talked about this. Um, <laughs> no, not really. It's a little piece of toast. It's a crouton. You've got to start with stale bread, and it gets it, croutons are usually dried out a lot more. I mean, they're croutons. They're not toast. It's a different thing. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Okay. The, dry, the moisture content is lower in a crouton. I'm just asking the questions. I know. Uh, the, the moisture content is lower in American croutons. If you, if you have a crouton like in their country of origin, which I assume is France, uh, I don't think they're, they're quite as hard and uh, like Brillo-like. What is that? Like pumice stones. It, the ones we have here are very hard. I think that's, <laughs> they've gone too far. You can use it to scrape paint off a... Uh, yeah. You know, actually window. out in the green room, they have... Uh, a, a tub of what they call bagel chips, mm-hmm. which are, mm-hmm. uh, they look to me suspiciously like they're also sold as no, croutons. We, we covered bagel chips on the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, Jason. We did. Okay. Yeah, these aren't bagel chips, John. I'm telling you. These these really suspiciously look like croutons. Like big big croutons? I think they're big you, croutons. You're saying they didn't come from a bagel. No bagel or any other kind <laughs> no of No bagel is shaped like that. It? I mean, maybe, <laughs> John, maybe if they slice the bagel radially... <laughs> Have you seen that one where the, where the people cut the bagels? Like they lay the bagel flat down and then they cut it like like this way. Yeah, isn't it's that like St. Louis crime. bagels? Something like that. Yeah, like, it's probably some regional thing, but yeah, it's very bad. That's a bad idea. Okay, I have a question from listener John. All right, you can. By the way, if you're curious, robot at theincomparable.com. Send in your uh, questions for. Our, we're about to record a new batch of episodes, so send yeah. them in if you've got burning questions. In episode 246, John calls a dead spider roadkill. Does roadkill have to be killed by a road, or is it just any dead animal? Killed by a road, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't remember calling I read it, it roadkill. I read it as killed adjacent to a road, not that the road killed the yeah, thing. Yeah, that would really limit the roadkill if, if, uh, if the road yeah, had yeah. to do the no, killing. Now, roadkill are, are animals that are killed on a road, right? So they were on yeah. the road and they were killed. What are they going to be killed by on the road? It's got to be passing vehicles. I suppose if you get hit by lightning on a road, you could probably be called roadkill, but that's stretching it. If you get killed by lightning on the side of the road, you had it coming. Something happened. Are we talking about people or animals it's, here? it's hard to say. John, John, if I veer into a forest in my car, and before I hit a tree, I hit a deer, is it roadkill no, or is it like You're never going to be roadkill. Roadkills are non-human. No, 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 but I hit, I hit a deer with my car as I'm driving through the forest because I veered yeah. off the road. Is it roadkill? Right. Th- no, because you, the, you just killed the deer in the forest. Yeah. Okay. If you kill a deer in the forest and no one's there to see it's it, hunting. does it still die? Yes, it does. It's hunting with a With a car. With a car. car. hunting. It's very popular in some places. All right. This one jumped out at me. Reconcilable differences. Listeners will know that John has had a multi-year battle with a freezer. And for a long time, it was hanging out in the Syracuse garage. And I think in that spirit, Ruth asks, what makes something a garage? Is it whether you can park a car in it, the type of door, something else? Is a parking lot with multiple floors 
not a parking garage? Or would a carpeted room with a garage-type door not be a parking garage? Wait, wait, are we, are we talking about garage or parking garage? Those are two different things. I think Ruth sort of used them interchangeably. Let's answer the first part. What makes a garage? Is it whether you can park a car in it or the type of door or something else? Yeah, it's it's a part of a house designed to hold a car. Whether it actually holds a car, car or not is uh, mostly irrelevant. Or um, freezer. And what, there are lots of different kinds of garage doors. It's not just the kind that you lift up from the bottom. They have ones that open like barn doors or whatever. That doesn't change the fact that it's garage. It's got an opening big enough to hold a car because otherwise, you know, it's it's a part of a house built to hold a car. And then what people use it for after that is whatever. But that's what a garage is. I, I tell you, he's pretty good. That's that's he's pretty it, good. I, I agree with you, John. So um, your office, I mean, my Jason's office is in a garage. garage. Is holding him. Yeah, yeah. My, we have a garage door, and and theoretically, if I pulled all the stuff out, I could put a car in there. Even but, though, but your, we don't. Your desk is in the way. But my desk and, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and many bicycles and all sorts of other things are in the way. But that's good. I like the designed to hold a car. That is good. Parking structures and parking garages. Yeah, that's a whole other... I think it's a can of worms yeah. for another day, probably. Yeah, I think so. That's that's good. Yeah, here in the South, at least, I feel like every, basically every garage door is the multi-segment thing that sort of comes up mm-hmm. and then over, yeah, kind of right. motorized. Should we, should we break the, the, the seal on the cereal soup? I think we have to. Is cereal soup, John? No, I think we covered this as well. Don't. It's not soup. I, I, it's a liquid thing you eat with a spoon out of a bowl often, but that's true of all sorts of things. Oatmeal, also not a soup. Cream of wheat, not a soup. You know. Yeah, I feel apple like... Applesauce, applesauce, not a soup. If cereal's <laughs> a soup, then everything is a soup. Yeah. yeah. Just you got to give... I had somebody come up to me and try to explain that anything that was between two pieces of bread or a bread-like thing is a taco and i was like mm. okay you're just saying that everything is a taco now and tacos are great but that is not a everything is not a taco and cannot be a taco it's yeah unacceptable. that brings me to my final question okay uh it's really an open-ended discussion from tom is there a canonical order of operations for sandwich ingredient construction oh i mean there's not a canonical one but there's good ones and bad ones that's for sure what's um, a good one yeah, so one of the most important things in sandwich construction is friction between elements because the worst thing you want to happen is you bite into the sandwich and some part of the sandwich starts exiting yeah. either the side or the back of the sandwich. Uh, and that's usually because if you have a condiment, if you have like mustard or mayonnaise or whatever, they act as lubrication. And if you put lubrication between two already pretty slick elements that are also stiff that will let them shoot right out so you really need to make sure you have good part of it is also the bread if you get too hearty of a bread and you bite down on it the bread is going to stay stiff and that is going to get even more ejective force to the items that are in there so what you want to try to do is make sure you have good adhesion between the layers and you're like well where can i where can i put the mayonnaise then if it acts as lubrication it's going to make things shoot out one of the safer places to put a mayonnaise or mustard or whatever is directly against the bread. So at least some of it absorbs in and the bread itself is rough and then put something next to it that is your least slick element. Like, you know, lettuce usually doesn't move too much and then you could put something underneath that. It's it's on a sandwich by sandwich basis, but that's what you want to go for. You want to make sure, assuming your bread is appropriately chosen, that you stack elements in a way that they're not going to slip out from each other. Um, Some people will also say, I want the tangy mustard on the bottom where my tongue is and the mayonnaise on the top or vice versa. But you can always flip the sandwich over. It's not that big a deal. Just don't put the the multiple condiments together unless you want like a Thousand Island thing going on. Yeah, I want to throw in, uh, if you're expecting it to survive for a little while one of the nice Mm, things mm. about putting the um, condiments on the bread 
is that they can often form a moisture seal, depending on mm. what the condiment is. They can also make the bread soggy. They so. can, or they can save the bread from being more soggy, depending on what they are. Yeah, and yeah. then I want to extol the virtues here. Now, John and I have talked a lot on Robot or Not about peanut butter. This is where I was going. Because Dual uh, layer. So... So bread, peanut, peanut butter, butter the way the right way to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is to put peanut butter on both sides of the bread, yes. and then you put the jelly in the middle because the peanut butter will save the bread from turning horribly wet, and and keep that jelly in the center. And you get more peanut butter. And you get more peanut butter, which is I'm, good. And you should have natural peanut butter, by the way. Well, not one thing I would suggest for that, I mean, I understand the technique of the sealing the bread with the, with the peanut butter, which works. But then you might end up oversubscribing on the peanut butter. I know you love peanut butter, Jason, but yeah. some people might want a better balance. Um, try when you buy jelly, don't go for like the Concord, like Welch's Concord grape jelly. Look for grape jam instead of jelly, right? And that soaks into the bread way less like jelly is more like kind of jello gelatinous stuff with like a little bit of liquid yeah. factor and i think that makes it jam is more homogenous if you think of like strawberry jam and it, it still will soak into the bread but it soaks into the bread less i am a big fan of the grape jam on my peanut butter and jelly sandwich i think that's fair but if if it needs to survive for a little while and as a kid who took peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to school all the time mm-hmm. uh, you can it, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of peanut butter, although I would prefer that. Yeah. But like, if you can get those layers good, on both sides, you can, good you skimming. can get some moisture isolation going on. Yeah. See, and, I, feel and like, I would say also, coming back to toast, uh, peanut butter and jelly and toast, the toast holds up better over longer periods of time to, from absorbing the, uh, the liquid. Toasted bread on sandwiches in general, not a bad mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Really much better structure. You there can too. over toast, and then you end up with a crumbly situation. Though. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you got to pick your bread. You got to pick a bread that can stand up to a toasting, that can stand up to jelly. But yeah, toasted peanut butter and jelly is one of my go-to sandwiches. It's great. Yeah, it's we have good. we have solved so many problems in the last fifteen. Minutes. We're helping people. <laughs> we are. We, I mean, more than we thought we were helping. More than we thought. It turns we were. out. Uh, well, John, thank you. I know you had a busy day today. Appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I'm sure we'll come up with some more questions for the new uh, recording. Yeah, robot at theincomparable.com. Send them in. We need them. Can you sing the song on our way out? Robot or not. Robot or not. (laughs) Thanks, John. I get to hear it live. That's exciting. That's really good. Well, thank you, John. And uh, we are going to go to a video, and we'll be back in a few minutes.